The DIMP Digital Network presents The DDT WrestleCast Welcome to the DDT WrestleCast. On this edition, we are here to recap AEW's latest pay-per-view, which was Double or Nothing, and I've called in the main man himself, Paper, as my tag team partner. Paper, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm now wondering what our tag team name should be. Oh, now you've said that. Now I'll put you right on the spot here. It's, a, it's, it's I don't know, Chimp and Paper. Who knows? You know, put it to the fans. Paps. Paps, there we go. And it's Team Paps. <laughs> Team Paps. We'll see if anyone comes up with anything better. Just tweet us at Dimp Digital and uh, or at DDT Wrestlecast, I should say, and uh, we will we'll come up with a name at some point. But this is AEW's first go at a pay per view since the COVID era of wrestling began. I guess that's what we can call it because it's definitely not the norm or what we've been used to for you know thirty odd years or so. And it took place at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, May the 23rd, 2020. Closed, behind closed doors, as expected, no fans there other than the wrestlers and a few other people. Like, like apparently Vito Belfort was in the crowd. Um, cool. I don't know. Really? Yeah, I, don't I know. saw some people in the crowd. I didn't realise. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. They had some, uh, some random, I guess, higher profile people, but no, I guess, run-of-the-mill fans were allowed in. But um, it was a reasonably long one. Now, we just come off the back of Money in the Bank, which was two and a half hours. <clears throat> this was three hours, 44 minutes, which is closer to four hours than it is three hours. But we'll muddle our way through it and see what we thought of it. Um, not going to cover the, the buy-in. So we've just been that pay-per-view card only. Casino yeah. ladder match kicked us off. Now... I must admit, I kind of didn't understand the concept of this until probably the latest Dynamite, just before they kind of explained it. But essentially, a man would enter the ring every two minutes, and you could it would start with two people, and you could get the the chip. There's a there's a there's a double or nothing chip hanging from the from the from the roof, I guess. And if you grab that chip, you then get a shot at the the world championship. So it was a it's a high profile match in terms of what you can win. I, I must admit. We we didn't have Ray Phoenix. He was supposed to be on it, but he fucking broke his back nearly when he done that flip on Dynamite the week before, landed flat on it, didn't get caught. Um, and then the rest of the competitors, I wouldn't necessarily say a world championship material. Now we've got the debut of Brian Cage, so I mean, spoiler alert, he went on to win it. But when you saw the lineup of of the wrestlers that were there and you know, there's one mystery opponent. What did you think of that? Do you think any of those really were going to stand a chance at... Should they have been in the world title picture, I guess, is my, my question. Um, or are we okay doing this as like a once every few months, maybe one of the lower people on the card can earn a shot and they obviously would go on and lose in, in most cases? Yeah, for, for me, it was a bit strange. It wasn't only until I actually started watching this um, that I actually realised it's for the world 
uh, title and not the TNT title because yeah. I, th- I just instinctly thought it's for the TNT title and this would be a nice way to set up, you know, who's going to get the next TNT title shot because actually, you know, the TNT is not the world championship, but it's, you know, still a prestigious belt and there's a lot of good wrestlers in that group and you like you only have to look at scu they both have just had technically title shots only within the last couple of weeks realistically yeah. when they did the spot matches well not real spot matches but like um matches with um with moxley and, and both, both great matches but you already knew they weren't going to win because of that reason um i i, I, I want to sort of roll back a little bit before that though um because mm. do you know what i found really interesting about this was actually they did the promos of like about three or four different fighters before we went into yes, this. And if, yeah. and if we spoke, one of the things, if you listen to our podcast last week, when we talk about the Royal Rumble 92, one of the things I really enjoyed was the, the spot before the rumble. So you knew like a bunch of the characters yeah. uh, and it was just, it was like AEW had listened to that podcast and then that, that <laughs> paper, that paper is on something and they did that. And I really enjoyed that. And I, yeah, there's a couple of good, you know, uh, promos to my uh, cap camera there before that but then yeah moving into the actual ladder match it was um yeah i was a little bit surprised it was the world title i think it was pretty much a given that whoever was going to come was going to win yeah. I, I like the old idea of the match because um i don't think they'll use it up yet but you know they they, they can play with it when they're going to shock the crowd that you know someone wins it within the first two minutes and you've got the rest of the mm. line up there going yeah. what the fuck i'm not going to get my shot you know it's the rules and that could be a really interesting thing if they keep you know this type of match but um yeah i, I think it was always going to be the mystery person was always going to come in always going to win it um yeah, yeah. you you dropped a rumor that it might be sting last week and <laughs> i did putting a little room at me out there second favorite wrestler of all time i was like oh god maybe it, what if it is sting he surely he surely shouldn't be there but um <laughs> it was brian cage now I kind of know of Brian Cage. He was in Impact before this, so TNA for for us when it was back in the day. And he'd I think his contract ended with them in January, but he'd done his triceps in, or he, he had an injury. So it, it was quite it was heavily rumored that Brian Cage was going to AEW, but because of the injury, I had assumed you know he's not going to get signed until he's fit, or even then they might have to wait. They might want to wait a little bit to see if he's. You know, not got any reoccurring injuries, but when I saw him come out with Taz of all people, so Taz moving into a bit of a managerial role, he's still doing a bit of dark co-commentary, but he looks like he's going to be uh, Brian Cage's manager. I immediately was thinking, right, yeah, this is this is now made for Cage um, coming in. But what did you think of Brian Cage? Because I'm assuming you didn't have much, you weren't really familiar with who he was, other than when you saw him, you thought, who the fuck's that big cunt? Yeah, exactly that. I thought, you know what, they sold him really, really well. Um, yeah. I think somebody, you know, some of the people that were in that ladder match are brilliant storytellers in their own right. You know, like people like, I don't know, Orange Cassidy, Kip Sabian, uh, all these people that are just so used to telling brilliant stories in the ring. Um, and so uh, they, they they really sold that and a fair play to really sold how how enormous was his i loved these entrance where he broke the ladder straight away um that that was just brutal and the way that they stacked him underneath all that stuff and the chip and all that was just a way just to sell it like this guy's an absolute and he looks it straight away i I must admit the one thing that did pop to mind i wasn't too sure about and i'm still in uh debating my head over though i do like the pairing of taz and cage I, I wonder how many more managers they're going to be bringing in for all yeah. these people now, because it seems like, cause with, with uh, Archie had uh, Jake the snake with 
uh, Cody have um, Arn Anderson and there's a, there's a few others uh, floating around but like, it just felt like you know ma- maybe leave the managers out maybe you don't need so many more managers at the moment because there's quite a lot of them out there and they all seem to be sort of ex-pros and stuff like that so um, that was my only sort of thought well you, yeah we don't need so many but yeah apart from that I, I thought it was, it was brilliant I, there was so many good spots as well during the match just not even cage like the Darby mm. Allen off the top of the ladder on his skateboard I thought <laughs> bloody hell thought he broke his bloody uh, leg yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was, it was really, really good match. Really enjoyable. So that's the starter, which we always talk about on this, 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 this podcast. You start with a good starter. Yeah, it was, uh, it was twenty-eight minutes thirty. So it's a long match, and mainly because there were what was there nine competitors overall. So they had to do entrances for seven, and you know there's two minute gaps, and they were real. They were real two minute gaps, not sort of WWE gaps because they had the fucking timer on the screen, so they couldn't even cheat it. Um, I've seen Royal Rumbles where it changes. They say it's 90 seconds and it's 60 seconds, actually. I have seen that happen. So by putting the clock up, they were showing that they weren't going weren't to cheat people out of it. Um, what did you think of Orange Cassidy's shtick in this one? Because he was playing the sort of buffoon that didn't even understand how the ladder match worked or wasn't bothered or there's spots where he was trying to let, sort of stand on a flat ladder to, to reach the chip but what did you what did you make of him in this match because he was kind of like one of the outstays who weren't really taking it overly seriously in comparison to the rest yeah I, I you know I enjoyed it I I you know with Orange Cassidy I saw you just got to take it for what it is with him and that's his gimmick and I actually I, I, like for a match that's going to have lots of people doing lots of different high intense spots you know mm. it was it was quite nice to suddenly put a bit of a lull in there um, and it just slow it all down for like two minutes, uh, which it sort of did. And it, it's just quite nice, you know, uh, just paying off to sink a little bit different, a bit slower and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it, it made the match have a little bit of everything, which I quite enjoyed. So I, I personally really liked, I can see how some people might not, but for me, I, I thought it was a good, I, I enjoyed the whole gimmick and then him pulling the ladder and then just stand on the ladder when it was face black yeah. down and him trying to get up. And I was like, oh, there, typical Cassidy. But I can imagine once again, if they had a crowd there, People would be fucking loving it in the yeah. audience. People would be going, this is wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And you can just see it all now. It's a shame that it wasn't. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, it, it was fun. It was, it was the thing is as well. It was, uh, it was what, a two minute, not even that, because there was other things that happened, but about minutes to a minute and a half sort of segment. And then that sort of disappeared a bit and it went off into other stuff. So it yeah. wasn't like it was, uh, you know, a whole match of uh, really sort of degrading it. No, what I, what I liked about the match was Kip Sabian coming out and immediately, because it's no DQ, because there's no there's no ramifications for doing this, Jimmy Havoc and Penelope Ford were just getting involved. It's like, that's what you would do, wouldn't you? If you had a group and yeah. you were a heel and you didn't care about honour, you would just bring your mates out and they would just lay waste to people where they couldn't try and help you out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're soon, they're, they're far becoming one of my favourite tag teams at the moment. I just, I'm just enjoying the the sort of banter that they've got going, the, you know, playing sort of proper hills and, you know, not giving a, a toss. And like, I saw like this whole sort of, you know, the, the three of them, they, they sort of work really well. You wouldn't expect yeah. them to work well, but they, they sort of do. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Jimmy's sort of white suit with blood splatter on it? 
<laughs> I thought it was, it was just fun, wasn't it? You know, it was. It's, it sort of got over the point that you know he, he loves these sort of death matches and all that type of stuff, um, and that's his gimmick. So yeah, it's it's it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that bit straight away. And like it's like the whole. I enjoyed that even the obvious thing to do at the start of these things is throw both SCU members in there at the start and oh, see yeah. how they react. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of was like a nice way. It was sort of obvious, but you know, it was obvious in a nice way. It was what I would have done if I was the Booker as well. And so like. I was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So we had Luchasaurus, Kaz, Kip Sabian, Scorpio Sky, Joey Janela, who replaced Ray Phoenix, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Brian Cage, and then your favourite, Colt Cabana. Did, <laughs> did, did Colt do anything to win you over? Is he still a much disliked member of the roster? As time's going on, I'm, I'm I'm warming to him a bit. I must admit, but like, um, <laughs> I, like I don't think Cole did anything. There was a couple of uh, members that that sort of faded away. Like, if you was to take, like, I think Cole Luchasaurus uh, sort of they they had spots, but they they weren't spots that were that memorable. If that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas like some of the others, maybe because they came in a little bit earlier, had, had more memorable spots and. Uh, and stuff like that. Uh, more Joe like, Janella. Like, big, aren't they? Those two. I mean, the other like Darby Allen, Janella, Kip. Like they can all fly when they need to. Yeah. They can all do all sorts. I did. I did like Brian Cage versus Luchasaurus towards the back end. Like the two juggernauts going at it and slugging away. And you saw quite how agile Brian Cage can be for a man that size. Um, I don't know why he's got a blue tongue. That's one thing I can't work out. Why Brian Cage? Cage. A, yeah. I was yeah. looking at. It, thinking he drunk too much. Soda pop or something. Yeah. Oh, you'd think he'd have an orange tongue because that's sort of Taz's colour. He had a little orange towel of him, but it wasn't to be. Anyway, Brian Cage went on to, to, to win it. Sort of in the final spot, he put Darby Allen on a ladder and bench pressed it, or, or should I shouldn't say that, military pressed it, and then threw both of them out, out of the ring. And Darby Allen, I don't know how he's going to survive. He keeps taking these bumps, but he just landed flat on the floor. Cage went up, picked up the chip, and then, yeah, that's it. It's interesting that the, I, I thought it was a good... I did like the finish. I, I I was wondering whether that was just meant to be, you know, Taz trying to send a message to Darby Allen for him yes. consistently rejecting him. Because Taz said to him, said, no, finish him off properly, because he was going to go up, and Taz yeah. sort of interfered. Um, so I don't know whether, you know, after this this maybe title shot, we're going to see some sort of something between uh, Darby Allen and Cage at some point. It would make uh, sense, wouldn't it, for Taz to put his put his the person who didn't reject him up against Derby who did reject him and you know have a little storyline going on there so yeah they they are they are dropping those little seeds that they can use later on down the line which is always appreciated um um, with the AW any other spots or moments you wanted to, to call out for the casino ladder match no I just I just really enjoyed it I thought you know um, names disappeared off me now. SCU Kaz, is it? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was uh, him. He he had a really good match. He sort of stood out as someone that you know, a real true pro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think I think we've mentioned most of the spots. Um, Joey Janela came out, and did a bit of a decent spot when he when he came to the ring and took everyone out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was all in all, it was just it was it, when it started. You know, I. I, I went through scoring all the matches and I gave it like a I gave it a nine out of ten. Looking back, it probably isn't that high, but mm. like I just I just for me I just really really enjoyed the the match in itself. It, a bit of everything, um, nothing offensive, you know. I was just it's just a good good twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, as I said, decent opener. Got a bit messy in parts and broke down a couple of times, but you know, in a match with that many people, it's difficult to 
manage it because it's just there are just so many of them. The main aim was to get the get the pay per view kicked off and get Brian Cage over. So immediately they've done those two things, which I think is all you can ask. Um, second match of the night: MJF versus Jungle Boy. Now, spoiler alert for this one: this was my favourite match of the entire night. I fucking love this match. It was like a bit of a, a technical showcase. Had some old school psychology in there with enough sort of modern spice in there to keep it exciting. It's, it was a good blend of old and new. I love the fact that that Jungle Boy was selling his left arm throughout the entire match, and then MJF was also selling his back. There's the the, the devastating spot where <laughs> Jungle Boy reverse Horikaranad MJF on the apron. Like, I thought he'd actually broke MJF's neck um, at that point. But I really like this match. This is by far my favourite match of the entire night. These two are very young, but showing some real good potential. What did you make of MJF versus Jungle Boy? Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't say go as far as say it's my favourite uh, match on the surf, because I, I think I like something else. But it was definitely my second favourite. Mm. Um, I think, like, all in all, like, it was, like, the MJF more so than Jungle Boy. Joe Jungle Boy is still good at it. They're both really good in ring storytellers, yeah. uh, and MJF's brilliant. At it. Like just the the whole point, you know, when he uh, the spot where he he faked the injury, I was I yeah. as someone watching it was sold that that was a real injury at that point. because yeah. the way he staggered, I was like, oh, that that looks like he's really gone down. And then when the docs came in and stuff like that, I was like, because like the thing is, it's just coming off as well. Um, Ray Phoenix and Britt Baker really having to pull out yeah. because of real injuries, and you're thinking, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, oh, no, there, yeah. there might be, yeah, here's another one and stuff like that, and um, and the way I just I thought it was brilliant the way he just then got up and then whacked Jungle Boy on top. Uh, there was just so many good spots, and I just I knew from the start MJF would win yeah. because uh, you know he's got an amazing streak going, and why ruin that? Because you know he has the potential to keep that going all the way into a title shot which i think will happen yeah. um and actually to me it, it probably will happen for the tnt title against cody that would be just the the icing on the cake for me like i think mjf yeah. versus cody uh, that's a bit of a spoiler for later on but um uh it's uh yeah i just thought as you said that they they're both sort of like students of the game yeah. and they, they 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 know what they're doing mjf uh, you always hear people talk about him saying, yeah, he knows all like the old school stuff and all yeah. like that. And, and so like, I think it's, um, I think they're just brilliant. I, I think at one point, I think J- jungle boy power bombed MJF off the, the yeah. ropes. Yeah. And I, I thought that was it. Like for me, like if their data counts was free, I was, I was convinced that was it. And I was so surprised to see MJF kick out of that one. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I, the finish, I, the more I look back on it, the more I'm forgiving on it. I, I, I wasn't fully convinced at the time. I, I don't like sort of like quick little things that just suddenly happen. And like, like, like you know, like when, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, when Cody turned over Darby Allen really quickly. Yeah. And, that little, and so, so I don't like little things. And it was similar to that, especially when it's been such a good match. But like, actually, the more I think about it, the more I saw quite like the ending because it was you know it was the whole point that actually could have gone either way both were brilliant you know yeah. actually in fact jungle boy was was probably pretty much on top at that point uh and mjf managed to just sneak out the bag and what he didn't do is didn't sneak out the bag with like you know hitting the the ring and stuff like that you know i feel like it was just both wrestlers saying look let's go out there and let's show them with we may be these young guns but you know we we can really go hard and you know everyone's gonna walk away really happy 
Yeah, I think the the finish was a smart one because it didn't it done nothing to discredit Jungle Boy because it was a it was a, they were sort of trading near falls and cradles and 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 sort of different leverage holds and whatnot and then eventually MJF kind of just just got just snuck it basically. Um, I know we go back to SummerSlam '92 quite a lot, but it's similar to when Bulldog managed to get the sneaker on Bret Hart. Um, neither man comes out of that looking bad, and actually, kind of just builds MJF. Is not he's not just a complete sheet; like he has got the skills and the technical ability to be dangerous. So, um, as he moves up the card and as he becomes in line for one of those belts, as, as we would assume, he will have some a decent resume uh, to look back on. Because when we get to some later matches, I think some of the opponents that were, were picked out for the two title matches, they. They didn't have much of a resume because there'd just been a lot of squashes up until now. Um, whereas I think MJF having a 17-minute match with Jungle Boy, where they go back and forth, it's kind of 50-50, maybe 60-40, and then he manages to get the win without cheating is important to have because going forward you can't have someone just keeps cheating. Otherwise, they're, they're no threat um, unless the, unless they can you know cheat or, or do what they can to win. But yeah, that was that was my favourite match of the night easily. Um, they were calling the cradle that he won with a, Euro- a modified European clutch, Excalibur called it. Just, yeah, I heard that. I've never heard of that before in my life, but he, he got the pin and it was a it was a good one. Right, we've then got the TNT Championship tournament final, third match. I thought we, I, I was surprised to see it this soon. I thought it was going to be a bit later on in the card. Um, so we had the match and we also got to see the TNT title. Now, when I saw it at a distance... I immediately liked the red strap and the red colouring, but then when I got closer in and I saw the plating, it looked fucking dreadful. Like <laughs> I, I was sitting there like shocked because I think I love pretty much all the other belts that they've designed. Like my favourites are the tag belts. I think they're really nice belts, and the world title's a good belt. The women's title's a bit weird because it's really small, but I guess generally the frame of a woman is, is, is usually smaller, so maybe that's why they've gone for that. Um, but I think in, in general they looked great. But this, I was really surprised to see how poor it looked. But we did find out the belt's not complete. So it still has some extra detail and extra plates that need to be added. So I will withhold complete judgment until it's it's finished. But I like the red colour in it. To me, it screams like an old school television title, which is kind of what... I was expecting the TNT title to be with that stamped on it. But uh, any thoughts on the unfinished belt? I mean, was it a smart move? I mean, they couldn't postpone the match, but should they have maybe held off of the belt until it was done? Or do you think that just getting it out there in a acceptable form is enough? No, I was very much like you when they showed it. I thought, really? Like, it reminded me of a... It looked like I made toy, it. A, it looked like uh, yeah, I made school. A, a toy belt is what yeah. I was thinking. One of the ones you buy in the shop as yep. like a little plastic replica yeah. that you know you can play with your mates at home with that was my first instinct and i was a bit like oh Jesus. really because it, it just looked a bit plain yeah. and um and yeah to, as like you then they said look uh there's more plain and i was then at that point sort of more forgiving and just like okay well I'm, i'll reserve judgment until i've seen that plate and i think they probably did the right thing by getting out there like what else are you going to give them someone like a, a crown that's going to look yeah. like from because all the shops are closed at the moment so it's not like they can go out and just get something that's that's half decent yeah. um so like i guess with what they had like it, it I, you know putting it out there explaining it and you know i think like you and like me we, we, we're all forgiving like we're all in this situation at the moment with the lockdown so um yeah let, let's uh, i could we can accept that and and we, we can move into the match 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a 22-minute match between Cody and Lance Archer. I felt like it dragged a bit and that they overcomplicated it and kind of overbooked certain parts of it. I would have, I was, I was hoping for like a, a hard-working traditional match to crown like your champion, like to establish that. Um, perhaps the TNT title is, is something a little bit different in the fact that a lot of the action stays in the ring and there's not that many shenanigans that take place, but they had kind of made this feud personal. So I guess they had to do the payoffs for that. But one thing I didn't like, and this was towards the back end of it, was was Arn Anderson interfering and then getting both him and Jake ejected because surely it should be the hill manager that's getting caught interfering and getting everyone kicked out, not your babyface manager. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I didn't like that spot either. But I, I think if if they're doing what I'm hoping they're doing is that they're going to make Arn turn hill or, or something like that. Or make him a liability something. or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something, you know, cost Cody like he cost his dad or something yeah. along those lines. Then, then you know, because there's li- there's, they've, they've dropped little things in previously with Arn, you know, when he had the door and MJF in that cage match. Yeah. Um, and so, like... They, 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 you know, that there's clips here where they, you know, they can piece it together. And I hope that's where they're going with it. But you know, like you said, it just didn't feel right because when they then sent Jake away from the the ring, I was like, well, Jake's fucking done nothing yeah. wrong. Why is he yeah. getting ejected? Like I, at that point, I was a bit like, well, nah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you though. It's it a bit of a strange one, but if maybe they're planning for something longer, who knows? Yeah, yeah. And then we had we had kind of I guess Tyson's. In, he's not interference. His involvement was was Jake trying to come back out, and then Tyson getting up and telling him no, taking his shirt off, like fifty odd. And Tyson with his top off, scaring off. Good shape though, better than most of us. Oh yeah, no, not taking things away from him. Like I, for forever in my memory, there'll be it'll be etched is the picture of Tyson and Cody lifting up the belt together at the end. With Tyson was trying to get his t-shirt back on, but kind of just ran out of time. And then he's just lifting up the belt of him topless. So I just thought that's the real picture there. That will be etched in my, my mind forever. But what did you what did you think of the match? And did the right man win, considering what the, the build-up's been pertaining and, and perhaps what Cody's history's been, um, you know, for the last sort of few pay-per-views and big matches? So I'm definitely someone that, that enjoys more of a hill win. Um, I just always have whatever it is. I just I enjoy it when the hill. There are there are there are baby faces that I do like, but I, I definitely find myself leaning more towards the hill. And this was definitely another one where I thought, you know, you just brought Lance Archer and he's this big powerful bloke. Though they seem to be bringing in all these big powerful blokes Fuck at the moment. Yeah. So like that, then we we can come on to that because well, actually with, that was another thing with Cage coming in. I was thinking not another fucking big bloke coming in. It's like how many? It's like you. Yes, you literally all your small blokes are going to be like, well, we're not going to get anywhere near the top of the, the roster anymore. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, you're bringing in all these big blokes, uh, Lance, Lance Archer, and, and he looks unstoppable. For me, I would have probably kept that going. Um, I, I felt like he, he looked nasty. He was beating everyone up when he comes to the ring. Like everyone was scared of him. Um, I, I think he got the win even though uh, not, Cody got the win, even though Lance probably destroyed most of him for most of the match. Yeah. Um, so I think they've sort of certainly kept that intact and there's maybe a bit of a story there still to tell between Lance and, uh, uh, and Cody. Well, he could, he could say that Arn Anderson fucking crotched him on the, on the top rope. So that might've changed the momentum of the match. If I was Lance, that's the first thing I'd say, your manager interfered and made me fall on my nutsack. 
Yeah, there was one. There was one that, and and I'm just going to point this out because I'm going to point this out because I've got on my notes the amount of times this happened and it really yeah. pissed me off. It was bloody um, big slow. Like she was standing at the side of the ring and she just seemed to inter- not interfere, but you could hear her voice screeching at certain points, getting right into the rest. And I was like, tight, someone get her out of there. Like or at least <laughs> get her. Like she she shouldn't be. Uh, it just distracted me on several matches she did. Yeah. And this was the first one that she did it. And I was like, right, like you don't need to be involved in this. has got nothing to do with you. Um, <laughs> and so like, just, just stop getting so aggy and involved. And, uh, but yeah, that did not mean one bit I did really like about the match though, was when, um, when I think it was, did, uh, did Cody do the DDT? No. Well, where they did each other's spots. So um, mm. I think, yeah, Cody did the DDT and Lance Armstrong did the Spinebuster, it, which yeah. was the spots of each of their, their coaches. And I, yeah. I, I thought that was a nice little, you know, throwback. And um, I like, I like, I do like the way that the commentators on AEW just more often explain these things as well to the audience. Well, they, because actually, they actually live in a universe where there was wrestling that, was outside of AEW and there's a history of wrestling. It's not only what's happened in their promotion. So they do exactly. a good job of like referring back to it. So people that maybe watch at that time be like, yeah, that's, that's a good little nod there. Yeah. And that was exactly it. It's like, the thing was, I probably wouldn't have realized that until they, they said that. And then yeah. it sort of clicked. I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, that was, yeah, that was a nice spot. And, um, so it was something like that. I enjoyed, I thought overall it was like, you know, coming off the, the first, it wasn't as good for me in my eyes as the first two matches. No, but it was still a great match. And at this point, I'm thinking we've had three fantastic matches. Effectively, I'm really, really enjoying this pay per view. Yeah. Um, but I, with the Cody Lance, like I can see avenues, as I said, for 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 both them. Cody MJF setting up at some point in the future for the title shot. Yeah. That's to me money. Lance, you could have had it, and then him being this unstoppable force. Though it seems like I can understand maybe they're moving away from that now because then they've got so many of these big guys coming in. Yeah. Um, so with Brody, with him, with uh, with Wardlow's there as well, and so yeah. there's, there's quite a few of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the I think Cody winning does more for the belt than what perhaps Lance was. I know Lance has been destructive, but he wasn't. He hasn't. He hadn't been tested. Like I don't feel like he'd he'd only been there really for what two months or so since he since he arrived, and I don't know. Just giving having the title established on someone like Cody who had had a, a world title shot. He's been involved in some big feuds and and whatnot. I think it just gives the belt a, a step up to start off with. Now they might they might end up sort of stepping it down as as time goes on or, or settling with something a bit lower. But I think having Cody win it gives the belt a bit more of a prestige off the bat because he's been there since the start. He's been involved in so many big matches in the, in the short history of AEW already. So to have someone like that carrying it rather than, you know, someone who is, is no doubt a great talent and a great wrestler, but perhaps hasn't been there as long. Um, it was good. And yeah, the only, so the only in hindsight, the build up to this, although it was decent, it, it felt like it was more about Jake and Cody than Lance and Cody. Um, and most of Lance Archer's matches have just been squashes. So it was really difficult to, for me to get behind him because I felt like he was untested. Um, so I was pleased that Cody won in the end because I felt like that was for the bell longer term that's the right thing to do um, and Lance won't lose much steam from this he'll be back and just causing havoc 
So you mentioned, it's, I don't know if that was a, a perfect tee-up, but you was enjoying the first three matches. It was a great pay-per-view. And then we run into what I could perceive as two extremely pointless matches. Now, the runtime for these combined were less than 10 minutes, like the actual match time. But that doesn't include entrances, video packages, and then all the bullshit that Sean Spears did before the match started, which seemed like you know five, ten minutes worth. Now, yeah. if we're looking for things to cut, mention that it's a three-hour and 44-minute pay-per-view, you've got two prime candidates here where it's got Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander and then Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see these sort of matches on Dark usually, let alone on a pay-per-view. These felt really kind of jammed in there and you even mentioned the other week that you was a bit annoyed that the Dustin and Sean Spears match was just kind of thrown together suddenly and it had no purpose there and I don't really see much of a purpose for the Penelope Ford or Chris Statlander match either yeah so I guess you start in going in chronological order with the Ford sort of Statlander match like I I I, I definitely is definitely the second worst uh, match on the card. Now, it probably wasn't what I'd call one of the those bad women's AEW matches that they have. Mm. The, it feels like there's the 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 four women tonight and Britt Baker have stepped up the game yeah. uh, a little bit and they are performing better, which is good. Um, and it was like enjoyable things. Like, I enjoyed the when Kip came to the ring, you know, all fucking bandaged <laughs> up and like I just thought that was just a, like a nice little thing to do and stuff like that. Um, uh, and there was some good stuff, but. Like you said, like it wasn't meant to be uh, Penelope Ford. It's meant to be Britt Baker. Yeah. But you have to feel a little bit sorry for Britt Baker because there, there's clearly was going to be a push there uh, yeah. to get her. And I wouldn't have been surprised if she was going to be the next number one contender. Well, yeah. um, so I feel, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I feel like you know it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame. Um, I know. So, so I sort of got, but yeah, equally so that even with Britt Baker, that is to me a dynamite match maybe not a pay-per-view match because yeah. there, there wasn't any sort of build up there it was sort of just thrown in there yeah um and you know it could have been done better elsewhere or at least give me a bit of story beforehand yeah and it wasn't so it wasn't a bad match like all in all wrestling i kept a couple it short of, at the, least yeah, short. there was a yeah. couple of miss miss shots and stuff like that but oh, no. you know <laughs> no, no, nothing you know that you know you can't overlook in the grand scheme of things so i was at this point i was like oh it's a bit of pointless match the next one i was just i was just fuming with i was just like why are you making me watch this and i maybe they could say well we're just trying to go for a low in the pay-per-view and maybe s- slow it down and stuff like that. but still once again no backstory to it just thrown out there do you know what it reminded me of the fucking bobby lashley part in the wwe money <laughs> in the bank because yeah. like yeah, why yeah. do it like it, it made no sense don't ha- don't give me that and equally so it and it, it sort of to a certain extent feels like the spears versus dustin match was Hey, we're the Cody's mates uh, spot in the pay per view. Mm. Like, Cody obviously is is one of the vice, and I'm, I may, I'm, maybe I'm over egging it. He doesn't get a choice in all the matchups and stuff like that. But like, Dustin had disappeared for a while. He didn't deserve to be on the pay per view. Spears, fair enough, he'd been putting in uh, some work in in some of the darks and stuff like that. But once again didn't deserve to be on the pay-per-view uh, in what all happened. Once again, that would have been a really nice segment on Dynamite, but yeah. not on not on the pay-per-view. Like, I would have got behind it on Dynamite. And not only that, it just felt like it's just a bit shit. Like, the whole sort of <laughs> bit where, like, he went down to his pants. I, I didn't particularly want to see Sean Spears' ass as well for, like, five no, minutes. No, like, I was worried. I, I was like, I was just... There was a pattern of Tully Blanchard's face on the front of Sean Spears' pants, 
And when he first ripped off his trousers and saw, like, fucking Sean Spears' ass crack, and then when he turned around, because it was from a distance, I couldn't tell... I thought it was like, I thought his bollocks had fallen out, like the front or something. I thought it was, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Sean Spears' bollocks or cock and ball is hanging out on pay-per-view. And then as it got closer, I was like, oh, it's a print of Tully's fucking bald head, which does look like a bollock. I I, will retain that opinion. But I was thinking, oh God, what an absolute disaster. But yeah, I mean, it run for three minutes, 20 seconds. And Dustin beat the shit out of him didn't do anything for Dustin Rhodes that's not a big comeback fight for me that's just that's throwaway and Sean but Spears but was he coming back from it oh, like, well, we got, two weeks yeah, I know. two weeks yeah. he disappeared like yeah. he'd lost he'd lost the match against Lance Archer yeah. fair enough so had fucking Colt Cabana a week before him yeah, and true. so but, and, and you're like oh he's dead look at him he's like oh it's like you know if you want to play the whole dead let it go longer than oh, fucking yeah. a week and a half has don't be just be that guy's he's, he's, he's gone now and like it wasn't even like when he Dustin had his Kip Sabian match in the tournament, they were like, "Oh, he's put his career on the line," and yeah. he's like, "Oh, well, why did I? and then he doesn't do it for the Lance Arch, and then it's like it's all these mixed messages, and it's just all in all poorly executed. Like I just didn't need it. It just didn't need to be a part of the pay per view, no. in my opinion. I agree. It didn't need to be part of it at all. Um, kept it short, but even then, all the rigmarole beforehand of him doing like the always oh, Dustin going to come out that was a waste of time. And I was like, right, get this off now. We just need to be cracking on with this. I, I kind of knew those two matches weren't going to fill me with, with joy. And I was surprised they put them back to back because um, it kind of, I think that would have took the energy out of people watching it. And it was getting, it was bloody silly o'clock in the morning here as well. And I watched it and I was like, Jesus. Of course, you watch it live. Yeah. Right, it's not uh, too bad. Once you get a few coffees in, it's not it's not too bad, actually. But Gone are the days of beer. Now no, yeah, that coffees. would knock me out. Yeah, I had some wine that <laughs> night, actually, but... Um, that was the first time I drank in like four weeks. So I had like a, I think I had a bottle and a bit, and then I was like, cool, that might put me to bed. Had a quick, <laughs> had a quick sleep, had like a two-hour sleep, and then got up and, and watched it. We then had Nyla Rose defending a title against Hikaru Shida, and the the prerequisite to this statement I'm about to make is that this is for AW standards of women. So I'm not talking about what actually could be conceived as a, as, a, as a good match, but I actually thought for their standards, considering what we're used to, this was actually decent. Um, maybe the, the no DQs and no countouts helped it because it gave the girls a bit more freedom to do what they wanted to do and, you know, they could, they could just use a little, few more gimmicks and whatnot. But I was, I was really shocked they switched the belts, to be honest. Now... I think that's the right decision because I, I don't think Nyla's promos have come off that well as of late or since she's had the belt. And compared to Shida, like her in-ring in, in work does need tightening up. And Shida promo-wise obviously will be difficult because her native language is not English, she's Japanese and she kind of speaks broken English at this time. But you can get away with that, believe it or not easier than if you're natively speaking English and doing it badly so I think with those two bits combined Shida has been on a bit of a momentum and a, and a hot streak she's a good good worker probably one of the better ones that AEW have got and I think it, I think overall it's right to put the belt on it but I was just shocked that Nyla Rose kind of lost it so soon because I've, I, I had this vision of them just sending her on an unbeaten streak for a long long time and then then someone coming along and managing to pip her but it's gone already for, for Nyla Rose the title has been lost yeah I was I was I was in the same boat I was surprised that Nyla was going to lose it so soon however with that in mind 
you know they were they didn't have the tag belts on this card no. mox has only recently just won the world title um and so realistically this is the only belt that they could have changed on this pay-per-view in my opinion yeah. um obviously they're going to create a new belt in the tnt belt uh but yeah it's it, in my opinion the only belt they, they probably could have changed um i i personally on the match i loved it i thought this was brilliant i I, mm. I don't know why we've not been getting more of this in the women's division and i think we've one of the the commentators alluded to it um in the commentary that uh shida was did a lot of these type of matches back in japan oh well. yeah like, uh, yeah. like so no, and, and you look at it and I, I i like i couldn't i didn't understand why they did this type of match until they were actually in the match doing it. Cause I thought, all right, this is clearly a, a match for Nyla Rose to yeah. do whatever she needs to do and stuff like that to come across. But actually you, you found out that Sheeda was, was actually has done a lot of these matches and actually she did them really well. And there's some really nice spots during it. Like there was like go, going through tables. There was lots of kendo sticks, there was chairs, there was poker t- chips being thrown around and also <laughs> yeah. been hit against. And so I just, I, I, all in all, I was just, I thought like, as you said, in terms of AEW standards, this is probably, if not my favourite women's match, I think I've seen now today on mm. AEW. They they definitely stepped it up a, a level, and they've, they've got still got things to to do and to learn and stuff like that. But actually, all in all, was a generally a really good pay per view match. Yeah. I was worried because we'd just come off two shitters. Uh, oh, yeah. or not, it wasn't. They Could weren't the both shit. But yeah, and and AEW's women's division sometimes haven't always put themselves across sometimes them. most of the, the last, time yeah i think we discussed the last pay-per-view i think it was i'm not sure if we did it on this podcast or not but i remember us both saying that the nyla rose versus Riho match the no, Stetlander, that was yeah. it yeah it, yeah was just it's appalling dreadful. and we both just hated it and um but yeah this this to me feels like they they've they, they they're going in the right direction and it was a really good it was a good match I, I actually scored it at the same level as the Cody Archer match in terms of my scoring of, of how I enjoyed the match yeah. um, and so that I think sort of says that you know I you know from a from a from a fan point I, I, I it was really good and yeah I, I think I'm looking forward to seeing where Sheeta goes with the belt the mm. only thing that I think which is the interesting thing looking at it all and to give away spoilers of where the, some of the other belts are. So yeah. closure is now, if you're listening and don't want to know where the Mox belt goes. Um, <laughs> but uh, they now every belt is with a baby face. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm thinking they've got, I personally, even if they're going to give up the tag belts, they're going to go to best friends because they're the sort of number one contenders oh, at the moment. So oh. that's more baby faces. Um, so no, I, 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 I can't give it to them. I'm sorry. Well, the, the thing is, like, they're not defending it. That's the problem. That's no. my. Uh, we'll come on to this later. Well, we can talk about it now, I suppose. But like, um, they're, they're being too involved in this elite versus, yeah. and 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 they're not defending it. And I'm like, well, what's that's where you start, you know, rubbishing a belt and you know losing that belt's appeal. Uh, there's so many good tag teams in that uh, that division. I even saw, I think, in the crowd, um, Blade and the Butcher back yeah. in the crowd, and I was like, oh, they're back. I was in their street forward. clothes. I don't think Blade had a top on, which was weird. Yeah, yeah. Butcher exactly. just looks like a. He's, doesn't matter what he dresses up in, he looks like a fucking absolute crackhead. Yeah, and even 
even like the WWE, uh, not WWE, the, who the two that left the WWE, the Revell or whatever they're called. Oh yeah, yeah. One hundred percent are definitely coming to AEW. They, I think they, they're going to be the ones that get the belts. I think they'll yeah. come in as a heel team and they'll they'll get it off them. I can't, in all good conscience, I can't have Kenny Omega and Adam Page lose to best friends. I just can't. I can't accept that unless the inner circle come in and cost them. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that will, that will rumble well, on. But they, I mean, they, they haven't they, been they, defending the belts. But to be fair. Adam Page was in lockdown for many of much of this COVID kind of um, era, I guess. So they haven't been yeah. they haven't had, had access to him, which is a shame. But yeah, it's a it, it, at some point they need to start getting those belts defended and and keep them in people's you know the forefront of people's minds because it feels like best friends have been winning for like 15 weeks in a row now just to keep the number one spot so they can eventually set up this match when they when they get a space for it or when everyone's available to do it yeah yeah i yeah i think yeah i don't think you i'm hoping you're right and they don't win it they're they're a fun team but um they 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 don't deserve to be tag team champions no i I would agree that i'm hoping the revival who will be known i think as the revolt providing they have signed with aew they come in well have you watched the 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 episode of bte this week yes i have well then you at the very start you would have seen um the what's they called the elite uh mocking yeah. mocking the the clothing that that vince mcmahon was going to get them to wear and <laughs> yeah. um, which to me just 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 strikes me as that they're, they're on they're coming over yeah. um and they're just dropping some little hints every now and then yeah they, they, they've got to be on their way you think it's just I guess finding the space for them to to debut um but yeah Sheeda put on a good performance i think nyla rose played her part in this match as well and we've got a new champion um, Kendo stick to the head and then drilled her with those running knee strikes. I'm not, I don't well, that, like that running knee strike as a finisher too much. I prefer a Falcon Arrow, but there you go. I, but then I, one of the things I did like about a finisher, and actually I've got a note here, was I, I enjoyed the way she had to, it felt like she had to put, you know, several moves yeah. on her in a row. It's like a momentum thing. And then thing. keep trying to pin it. it was, yeah, and it just felt like you're getting over that. Nyla Rose is this big, strong woman that you know is really hard to put down. But eventually, you got there, and I, 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 I really enjoyed that finish to a match. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good match overall, especially for the the, the women's league. And Sheeda will now carry carry the mantle. Let's let's hope she can continue having good matches with whoever they pair her against. Speaking of monsters that can't be put down, a very similar story being played out with John Moxley versus Brody Lee. Um, for the AEW world title match. It wasn't the longest match, ran about 15 minutes and, and 30 seconds, but this was another physical, brawling title defence from John Moxley. He kind of, he's kind of settled into that. You kind of know what you're going to get with his matches. They are these these very deliberate and, and physical type matches. Um, a little bit like, not quite the same intensity as what Steve Austin's matches would be, but um, they have that kind of just a lot of punching and kicking and, and just battering the opponent rather than straight up kind of wrestling and, and technical stuff but um i thought this match was 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 decent and i think actually done a good job for Brody lee in the end because much like lance archer he hadn't been tested really since arriving he kind of took over the dark order who oh, what were they mid card at best and then yeah. he was put in this position where he's fighting for the for the world championship and i was a bit like right is that it correct but they they done the right story in making Brody Lee seem like 
someone who is very, very difficult to put down. Like Moxley could not pin him with his with his finisher twice. He even put him through the stage once and in the end resorted to a sleeper hole to just knock him out cold. Like he wouldn't quit. He just he had to just beat him by just choking him unconscious, which I think just establishes Brody as a tough tough bastard, which is which has kind of brought him up to where we know his level is now, which is which is a decent level. What did you make of Brody Lee and the match itself. Well, so interestingly enough, this was my favourite match of the card. You don't um, even like Moxley. See, and this is the interesting part of it, and I've not really gotten an awful lot of time for Brody Lee either. <laughs> I just, I just thought, I just, so it was one of those ones. I just kept watching, and this in my head, the score kept going up and up and up, and yeah. it's it started like a little bit slow, and was at about seven, and then slowly goes on eight, and then and, and it, just, it just kept working its way up, and like the way. It, finished and it climaxed it was just it was brilliant like i've got another point my only my only annoyance with this was actually and i didn't mention it in the last match as well fucking big slow you could hear her again getting involved <laughs> when they got when Brody lee went close to her she's like rah, 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 yeah. and i was like get her out like she's she's not she shouldn't be in the baby faces she's she's i don't know she's some sort of vicky guerrero she uh, was there as well she yeah, was, I know. She's on the hillside of things <laughs> um but yeah anyway back away from that point of me getting getting annoyed at Big Slow. Um, uh, oh, yeah, even at one point in this match, Big Slow tried to kick Brody Lee when, yeah. you know, they went over. And I was thinking, fuck, why is she trying to... I think it was like Sunny Kiss pulled her away. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. What? They, this wouldn't have been involved in any of the pre-plans. She's just trying to get herself a name out there a bit more. It annoyed me. You know, if I have you listening, tell her off for that. Anyway, but back to the match. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, they, they, there were some big moves in there for some some characters that, that you know, are not really known for, like, you know, big moves. And I think what they're more known for is they both put their body on the line, which, yeah. uh, frankly, I hadn't seen from Brody Lee since he'd come in because no. he'd been his Dark Order-esque and just had some squash matches. Yep. Moxley had had this opportunity with people like Joey Janela and stuff like that and has really sort of cemented himself in that. So I wasn't a big fan of Moxley's uh, last match against Hager. Mm. Uh, I thought it was all right. I think it's just a bit bit boring if anything uh, yeah. but this one sort of had a bit of everything in it and um so like they both did uh supersede or whatever it is through the the ropes and stuff like that yeah. which, which i enjoyed like i like i loved the bit when um was it that mox got back dropped onto the the railings oh. that had been prepped up yeah. like that looked that looked hard uh, i loved the bell spot where he went over on the table through the table and bell uh brody lee's like ankle looked like it smashed against some fence there yeah. at that point and you're thinking crikey they're really putting their uh <laughs> bodies on the line of both sort of all over the place and it just kept it just it kept going the, i i absolutely loved the paradigm shift through the ramp because yeah. like it was I, my understanding was that to this point is all filmed live in one sort of sitting oh, yeah, rather yeah. than sort of cut up. And so actually there've been people walking over that ramp all night and then maybe they pulled away something during Done the match something or something, underneath someone it, underneath yeah. it and stuff like that. So I made sure he went through it, but you know, I was completely sold with that. And, and um, I just really, really enjoyed that spot. Like to yeah. me, like going through that, like the, the, that was proper attitude era type and then Brody comes up bleeding and you're like yes, yes exactly yes. you're like you, you now you're a bit older you know they're probably down there like cutting himself and stuff like <laughs> they're not they're not meant to now and stuff like that and I absolutely loved the fact that, and you mentioned it the finish was that he couldn't put Brody away by pinning him and the only way to do it was to to um 
to, to sub him and actually it wasn't that he got subbed out it was like he just the referee stopped him and he's not he's not moving and so yeah. it's like like when you watch someone in like a, a UFC bout where yeah. you know they they haven't given up and like they'd rather have their arm broken or they're they're out cold and stuff like That's that it. you think well at least you know they, they didn't tap and stuff like that they didn't give up um and so like yeah I think it's it, it you know Moxley's doing well he's he's holding that title well you know it hasn't done Brody Lee um any disregard because I now think he's he enhanced looks, him I think he's oh, established I think him so. like, exactly as as, oh. as, a, as a sort of top five six or contender um it'll obviously have to step away a bit but maybe they've got so I'm not sure where his next storyline's going to go or whether no. they're actually going to keep that going for for a bit um but like yeah it'd be be I'd be interested to see where they go with Brody Lee now. I, I feel like he's a top six, you know, contender, uh, but I don't want to see him, you know, have another one with Mox attending uh, too, too soon. I just, I think that was enough for me. You know, I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. Cull it there. Mox has now clearly got to move on to Brian Cage, which yes. should be an interesting angle. I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, so, you know, we, we shall see. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only concern I have with Brody Lee is that he's still attached to the Dark Order. And I don't want him to get bogged down in that sort of bollocks too much. I mean, they're not, they've not been as bad as they had previously, but there's still a little bit they... of a stench attached to it that he's eradicated a lot of it because he's kind of been like the face. We haven't, had, we haven't seen Eva Wuno and Stu Grayson because I think they're in Canada, so they've not been able to travel. But I think that's done them a favour because it's just been all about Brody Lee rather than it being about sort of the weird-looking Eva Wuno in a mask and Stu yeah, Grayson I... who doesn't wear a mask. And you're like, why is he not wearing one? Um, exactly I, I i do like the i don't like as he's like you say like i think if they're gonna have minions just have faceless minions yeah. i've quite enjoyed that like i've quite enjoyed number 10 being faceless and yes actually there's a point of me looking forward to you know when does he get revealed will he turn on Brody lee at some point you know will he just break and stuff like that and i've quite liked that angle like the evil uno part it just seems a bit gimmicky yeah. and uh they, they, they tried to bring him back on dark well, not Eva Uno, but another tag pair of the Dark Order. And I feel like that part they could, you know, just, you know, push away to the side and maybe get that out and just have, you know, these faceless people and then have maybe one faceless person that clearly stands out like number That's 10 it, does yeah. and just think, oh, wow, I, I really want to see what's, what he's up to and stuff like that. Num- number 10 is Preston Vance, who was on a Dark. He may have even been on a Dynamite at the start of all this. And I think we may have previously both spoken about him that was both impressed seeing him but he's now fallen into that number 10 role but it'll be interesting to see when he comes back so he's got his arm broken and Brody Lee just sort of left him so um, but yeah I'm hoping that I can't see who the Dark Order can really feud with maybe they can do SCU but they've kind of done that like Christopher Daniels has been put down by Brody Lee so that's kind of the end of it in my view so I hope he doesn't get too snarled up in the faction wars and he can he can just put a decent run together in the singles competition because that's where he's at his best, I think. Um, yeah, I think that, we discussed it before. Like with the factions, they, they seem to get be getting too many in mm. AEW at one point, and then when you get too many, you, you you can quite easily spot the ones you don't enjoy as much. And the Dark Order was sort of quite, you know, one of those teams where you where you like the elite, you like the inner circles factions. Yeah. The Dark Order just doesn't have that same sort of appeal as those two do. No, they don't at all. Um, so all those seven matches that we've spoken about were all live. So that was a live segment of the of the thing. So if you was wondering about the spot through the ramp, that was done, you know, there and then. There was no um, 
no cutaways or anything like that. It's a completely live product. But uh, the main event, I guess if you can call it that. Well, before you go on to the main on. event, there was there was the spot of them promoting the toys. And, <laughs> and I, I've just got... No, I, <laughs> I think I've got notice saying toys look like shit. One out of ten. Like, I, 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 when I saw it, I was like, if they'd got had, like little pop vinyl things or something like that, I'd be like, oh, they're quite, quite fun and stuff like that. They're but action they just, figures, you can wrestle uh, with them. Yeah, true, they are action figures, they're not, they're not like pop vinyl stuff. But I was just, I was a bit disappointed when I saw that. I was like, ah. maybe, maybe, the thing is, definitely kids would like that type of stuff, like, you know, but, you know, is AEW's audience really under 10? Um, <laughs> no, I just yeah, I don't think they are. They, they... So, I thought they were going to announce a computer game when they oh, started don't. it. I, because I, yeah. I was thinking, oh, are they actually going to get a like a you know like a WWE 2K or whatever it is? Um, uh, but no, no, it's just some really poor, which looked like Action Man from the 1990s. Yeah, I won't be buying any of those, that's for sure. But the, the video <laughs> game, I keep saying that it's in, it's they're working on it, but it feels like it's a million miles away, and it's a tough thing to do, I guess. But yeah, so. This is an interesting point. Should should the stadium stamp it, before the before the event was was running? Did you think that the main event should be the world title match, the TNT title match, which some people were tabling, saying it's the most personal feud? And I was like, well, that's that's true, and it's a new belt, or the stadium stampede. So before the event started, what did you believe should be the main event? Uh, before the it started. I had no problem with this being the main event. No. Mainly because of the story been built up into it and it felt like this potentially was the final chapter, whichever way it went. Where if it was the inner circle, you could see the elites or somewhat disbanding a bit. Yeah. yeah, and being like, Well, it's not meant to us. If the the uh, elite win, you know, the inner circle, you know, what happens? Like you can see them being like, Well, we're not going to keep fate, 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 you know, it just felt like the end to a certain yeah. extent before. And so I, and it does have their, I would say their biggest names in it. People that have been there from the start, the Jericho's, the Omega, the, um, uh, the young bucks, all, all those people, um, that, that had been there. And I, to me, I, I think it was right. It's it earned the number one, the, the top bill spot. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if some companies have put you maybe like the mocks above it. Uh, yeah. The TNT belt, I could have happily had maybe, you know, I, I thought it was fine where it is. If, if you cull the, the Ford and the, the Dustin matches and forget about them, yeah. like the TNT belt is a new belt. And <clears> should that, it's nice to have the women's belt after that because, you know, yeah. it gives it, say it's more prestigious because it's been there longer, which is fair enough. Um, so yeah, I, I think the ordering was done fine. I didn't have yeah. any problem with any of it. The no. I think, I think I was about the same. Um, I, I didn't really want the TNT match to be the main event, but I wasn't fussed over the world title and the stadium stampede. So I knew the stadium stampede would be something completely different. Um, and in hindsight, that going on last was hundred percent the right call because it was, it was a crazy 34 minutes from, from start to finish. Um, I enjoyed 90% of this. I hated 5% of it, which I'll let you try and guess what part I didn't like. Um, and I thought the finish was spectacular, but they, they blew it in a way because they showed too many replay angles of it, which clearly showed it was a crash pad. Like there were angles where it looked more devastating 
um, had they just stuck with just two standard angles, but they kept showing all different angles, and you could kind of see. And we all knew, we all knew it was a crash pad, but the illusion was 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 taken away from us because they they you kind of could see them bouncing off it. Um, but can you guess the the five percent or the the one spot that I I didn't like in the and, and hated? And people say hate's a strong word. I say it, sometimes it's justified. Uh, it's, I if it's the same as me. Um, and and we can talk about it in a minute. It would probably be the um, Matt Hardy swim pool. Yes. <laughs> I, I, and and do you know why? And uh, I, I for me, like, I don't mind if that was filmed uh, in advance or whatever, and he didn't go straight to it. For me, I I look at wrestling like theatre. I just want one continuous playthrough. I don't yeah. want things to be cut up. And it was at that point I realised. Oh shit! This is all cut together. Like this is like yeah. up until that point, it was it was made to feel like it was all done in one. And actually, yeah. I was I was still sold out. It was just one single yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. like thing. Like they'd done it in such a way that for me at that point, I was like, oh fuck! They they've broken off. Like this is all a part of it. They'll you know some of them probably will have you know a break if it's behind the scenes and stuff like that, and then come back to them and stuff like that, which is which is fine yeah. because they I love the entrance. I love the way they all came in. <laughs> yeah. Like and all started scrapping, and then suddenly they broke off with the bucks going towards the and Jericho oh, man, and chasing Gavir off on his horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It all made sense, and then they went to, up to the swim board. And like actually, when they because it started off with Omega up there getting oh, I keep saying Omega, Omega getting the sort of like power bombs on the table and stuff yeah. like that, which was like, painful. And I was like, oh, this is really good. And then they went and they then they threw him in the in the pool. And then when he started changing clothes, I was like. <sighs> Oh, this isn't all one. Because in my head, I was like still thinking this was, and I was like, right, I'm looking in the swimming pool. Where's his jacket? Yeah, like he's just clearly taken off. Because I thought, well, you know, maybe they 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 got him just wearing all the clothes in once, and he's going to just quickly like take off different clothes. But he didn't. No. And um, yeah, that that point, I was like, oh, that's that's ruined the illusion of it's all, yeah, all it, one fight for me now. Yeah, so it was frustrating because it, it felt like at one continuous match, like it was shot traditionally as though it was a legitimate contest taking place. I knew it was taped, but when it first started, and I was, and when I heard it was taped, I was I was thinking the worst. I was thinking, uh, what was it called? Boneyard match. I was thinking Firefly Funhouse. I was thinking corporate building ladder to, and I was thinking, God, this is going to be, they're going to finally do it, and it's going to, that's going to be, not it, but that's going to be like their version of it, and I'm just going to have to just accept it. Um, but then when it started... I was like, no, no, they've got commentary. They've got JR, Tony Schiavone and Excalibur calling it as though it's happening. Like, I'm sure that they are taking rests and, and editing this, but it doesn't, it's not coming across that way. Like they're doing a really good job of, you know, like you said, having it as a continuous shot, almost like theater. And then they just crap on it all with that pool incident. And it's just, it's just like one of those things. It's not, it wasn't needed. It's a 34-minute match. You could argue it's too long in some... And that's one bit you cut out. That's one bit you definitely yeah. cut out because it just completely breaks. And I know this is the... I'm, I'm a bit worried with Matt Hardy being there because he's just... He just seems to... He's got a lot of creative ideas that aren't set in the traditional kind of world of, of wrestling. And I feel like his... A lot of his visions involve fourth wall breaking stuff like this and... The Bucks probably buy into it, and once you've got two of them or three of them that want to do something, it's going to go through. And yeah, that I was really, really was devastated when that happened because I was like, "You've done such a good job up until now." And the annoying thing was, even after that, 
it was fine. Like it was just that one moment sort of somewhere in the middle that broke it. I mean, there's a bit where Matt Jackson's doing the, the locomotion Northern lights and we're, we're led to, to believe he did it for a hundred yards and we all know he didn't, yeah. but it was shot in a way that it, it could have happened that way. Cause it was cutting back and forth. But this bit in the middle just, just completely broke it all away. And I was like, that's shit. And, it's an inside joke thing. It's 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 like the I can't remember what they call it now, like the pool of resurrection or something that Matt Hardy's done previously, either on Impact or on his own YouTube channel. It's just like, no, I don't want it. Stop it. Don't he, ruin he could, my he stadium could, stampede with that. And it did. He it could it do. He could do the clothing. I like. I I've sort of come around to Matt Hardy's gimmick. Like I'm, I'm still not hundred percent sold with it, yeah. but like it's, I, I'm sort of semi coming around to it and I don't mind him changing his character and being like this, this, this thing, yeah. but you know, just change in real time. Like when he went into the ice box in the, yeah. the last sort of semi, you know, street fight that they had, like I, I got that. I thought, Oh yeah, he's gone in there. He's got changed. Put yeah. anything on that. That's fine. I can, I can live that because it's all still one continuous thing. Don't be going into that pool. And then, cut into him then under the pool doing the, the symbols the hardy symbols and all whatever he's doing mm. um and just being like well this is really happening because at that point i'm thinking well is now the commentators just watching the video back of all of this and yeah. uh, like all these questions start running through my head and i've just lost the immersion of that match and i was a, at this point i had this match at like at a nine point nine point seven five, yeah, like, as high as you so can get, it. and then it went all the way down to a seven point five because I was like, well, that's just, and it might be that I'm a bit old, we're a bit old school with this, but just I like immersion and I like to think, you know, these things are are really happening, and I don't mind too much if you have to like break to a cut and stuff like, that and you edit in such a way that you know that's you know something just happened and it had to happen, but. As long as you, I don't realise that, then yeah. I, I'm more than fine. And they—that's they, what they seem to have done. Um, but I didn't realise that until, yeah, Matt Hardy did his pull change, and at yeah. that point, you're like, "Well, you're throwing it in our face now. This is just what WWE does." Yeah, and would they've been better off just position? Because WWE, when they did their, they've done their free sort of cinematic matches. Would they just would AEW have been better off just just doing it as a cinematic match? And at least once it starts, you just know what you're in for. Because I felt like I was tricked here. I was tricked into thinking <laughs> they, they're going to do this like properly, or at least perceived to do it properly, and they're doing a really good job of it. And then suddenly they went, nope, this is happening. Matt Hardy's managing to teleport or change or transform into other characters under the water. And I was like, ah. If you just set the, maybe if you just set the boundaries from the start that it was going to be a bit like this, I'd have been like, right, this isn't my thing. I can sit back and just accept it for what it is and then forget about it but i felt but I, I felt I'd betrayed argue, I'd, I'd argue that the, the point up until that point and maybe even the points after it were our thing and so they've sort of yeah, like yeah. They've, they, they've hijacked our thing and they did put the, that's what the, i mean it's a betrayal <laughs> i don't like being it betrayed it, it was it was yeah and there'd be some people out there that fucking love it and oh, actually yeah. I, was, I was listening to a lot of people afterwards and a lot of people did really love it and yeah. um though that never seemed to be the spot people always mention when they're talking about how brilliant that match was is no. because it wasn't the best part it was just that it was it was it was an annoying spot where and it was and i bring it back to the whole matt hardy teleportation thing in the arena mm. didn't need to happen did it and they should have learned from that point just don't well, they at least do covered that, that up by saying it was holograms but there's no way you can cover this one up. Yeah. It was I, under the water. 
I don't mind him getting changed just as long as I you don't, know, it, it doesn't flash. It could happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I don't mind him like going into the ice box and then coming out as a different character and yeah. stuff like that. Like that I can I can take because I'm like, well, he's just put a different pair of clothes on and he's back out there and he's changed and I don't need to think too much about it. But when things are changing and it's that's my whole attention and then I know that they've cut it yeah. and they've actually had to stop the action to let Matt several Hardy times because he's changed about he three times. Do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that that just that did that wound me up because then I'm thinking, well, they're now taking shots of this and they're, they're stopping and mm-hmm. it, like there's an art in professional wrestling where they're all putting it, and they they put their bodies all on the line on, on yeah. this and there's some really amazing spots, but I think that then takes away because then I'm suddenly questioning everything else on that that match and say, really did did how you know how much effort had to go into all of this and stuff like that and yeah. you know what did is there any parts of that bar fight that they cut and like even just like little things like i think at one point uh matt hardy was miles away and then suddenly he ended up quite near them at the end or they'd all congregated at the end when they about to put uh sammy uh what's it the one winged angel yeah. whatever it's called um and uh that was like, well they got with there a bit too quick there's a little bit of time traveling going on there and so it's like that little stuff like that i start then noticing and i'm like well yeah and know, when they it, show some of the replays of stuff that the replay was too quick it was like half a second after the event and i was like well, hang on a minute like let it settle then show the replay but yeah ah, it was annoying because i was really enjoying it up until then and i enjoyed what happened afterwards but that will always be the black mark in the middle of it that the stadium <laughs> stampede could have been like top top tier something really unique and really really good for my taste and in the end they stabbed me in the back which which really <laughs> and it was some amazing i loved a lot of the i loved the bit where uh the horse uh, uh yeah. hangman and the horse chasing after sammy because like, that's flashbacks to the um the golf cart straight away he's doing that and i'm I've like, done the I, golf I was, cart later as well and they did the one. golf cart which was well was a brilliant spot and worked really really well and the referee um, ran I, alongside it bryce rimsberg sprinting trying to keep it yeah <laughs> And like the bar fight was was good and uh, like like it was a little bit of that was a, a little bit cinematicy but then this had all happened after the Matt Hardy thing yeah. so it was a little bit burned at that point and I feel like it sort of took away a bit of, from that from me what I thought because that was quite good fun and I liked the way that Kenny was then drunk milk next to Paige drinking um, these whiskey and like the young bucks and like the whole Jericho stuff when he was like calling for you know the referee to go in to check like yeah. the ar I, I really enjoyed all of that stuff um it was just you know it was entertaining and i was believing when watching all that that all this stuff could be happening there and then and so yeah like there's one black mark in the middle but generally like all in all was a fantastic uh, i was i i preferred it a lot and this is probably where we have to compare it like i prefer that style a lot more than the wwe cinematic style yeah. um i think there's as i said there's a few things that we we would change on it still yes but like i think if they're going to do have stuff like that that's closer to what i want yeah. the pre-recorded you know cut things to be like yeah i mean just having the commentary is a big difference it feels like it's happening it's being called and like the, the the money in the bank, I don't think had commentary until the very end where they announced the winners. And like Michael Cole was like, "Oh, Oscars won the bet," and I was like, "Where have you been for the last twenty five minutes? Like, why is there no one calling this?" Um, but yeah. yeah, there was there was a really nice call as well in the uh, stadium stampede where they, I think someone said, I think it was like JR said. Oh, there, there's there, we need like twenty cameras to be out here, and then someone went like um, uh, 
20 seconds later went oh i've just been told there's actually only 19 cameras out there <laughs> yeah, yeah. which it just makes it just little things like that just made it feel so much more alive and, and real and happening and i, I was yeah i was so brought into it it was, it was, it was great um, apart from that matt hardy yeah uh, poor incident yeah he can't be trusted, Matt Hardy. That's what I've learned over this, this <laughs> short time that he spent with AEW. Um, I don't know if this is the end of the Inner Circle versus the Elite. Like With that little 5% annoyance, I would like to see them settle it with a more traditional in-ring match at some point, but not anytime soon. I don't think they will. I think maybe they've got one more sort of big match in them. They've got blood and guts still they want to do, so maybe that'll then be the the ultimate kind of fitting end to um this this feud but stadium stampede is going to be their thing i've got a feeling they might do this every year at double or nothing or maybe every other year but i just hope that they just keep it close to a, a legitimate contest yeah the stadium stampede I, I'd, I'd happily watch again now i'm sort of know what i'm getting into yeah. inner circle versus the elite in my head I, as long as all the wrestlers are st- sticking around, I feel like the inner circle needs to win that battle. Yeah. Um, personally, I just feel like there's there's more of a momentum with the inner circle being a, a group than the elite is, and there's actually quite a lot of you know fun storylines that they could probably do with the elite as they sort of split up, if that makes some sort of yeah. sense. Where we know with like the whole sort of page and uh, Omega. Um, tag team against you know the young bucks and you could quite easily have the young bucks t- turn hill yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, we, we spoke about it before where we thought uh, when they had their last match for the uh, the belts that we thought there was a perfect opportunity there for the young bucks to turn hill uh but it didn't happen um but yeah it, to me it, it definitely feels like i would like to see the inner circle continue the elite is always going to be around but you know maybe them pulling away and uh, you know i wouldn't mind seeing the bullet club coming out or something like that i don't know whether they're allowed to bring that in or yeah. not but you know there's there's a couple of uh, uh bullet club members that they could definitely bring into the fold as well if that sort of started to happen yeah there's it'd be interesting to see whether they ever get a working relationship with new japan which is where bullet club kind of reside the name does because there's so much DNA entwined with a lot of like the Bucks and Kenny with New Japan and now AEW that it just feels like they could do some really interesting things there. But whether or not we'll get there, I don't know. It won't be any time soon, that's for sure. And you could you could see if they you know joined forces a little bit. You know, imagine the old days when you know you had WCW versus uh, WWF. Well, imagine a New Japan sort of roster versus a, an AEW yeah. roster and stuff like that. And like yeah. having pay per views for that over both of you. You know, suddenly you're you're widening your audience because you're probably getting an Eastern audience looking at an, a Western product and a Western audience then suddenly looking at an Eastern product. And you know, it, both both could probably really benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Overall thoughts then. Now we said it ran for three hours forty odd minutes. Um, did it feel like it ran for three hours forty four minutes, or did you think it kind of whizzed by? Or I mean, we've said two matches that we definitely would have cut because they just seemed they, there was very little effort put into them at all. But other than those two, any other cuts or, or issues you had, or overall was you satisfied with the uh, the matches they put on? Yeah, I think. Overall, like the event, I would have scored it really high, a good, like, sort of solid eight, eight and a half out of ten or something along those lines. Like, mm. every match in it was was brilliant, except the two we mentioned earlier. Um, I think, you know, just cut those two matches out and you've probably got a near perfect pay per view, I'd and say. And cut Matt Hardy's resurrection pull out. <laughs> and then, yeah. And, yeah, and a near, like, a near, near perfect pay per view. Like, everyone that 
that you know worked hard from start to finish and like you just like i couldn't believe it when i'd got to that that third match and everything was still amazing and i was like when when are we going to start dipping and then obviously it did a little bit but you know like usually expect that early on to have a few dips but like you had three early back-to-back matches which all seemed to work really well and you know good stories and so yeah like you cut those other two out you probably save yourself 20 minutes and then you got a three hour sort of 20 minute show maybe yeah. um and i think that whiz by would have whiz by quite happily um so yeah overall like it, looking back at what it is if someone you know you can take it as it is or you could not take it as it is and we'd have to rework it from the start i'd take it as it is because yeah. actually that was probably my favorite favorite pay-per-view i've probably seen in the last year nice they've certainly done a good job considering we're in this era of no live you know crowd it's all behind closed doors they've got wrestlers sort of simulating the crowd but we said time and time again how much of a big part the fans are and to to put on a show like that that was entertaining from top to bottom was was a really good job we've watched what fucking now now what's that one two three wwe pay-per-views if you count both nights of wrestlemania and you know maybe a bit biased but i enjoyed double or nothing more than all three of those that i'd seen from wwe um ironically wwe have started putting people in the crowd now so on raw they had um a perspex glass up around the ring and there was like i think they were like nxt like proper development people who were simulating the crowd so they finally crumbled in and and copied that which is funny because when AEW first did it stephanie mcmahon did a, a an interview making fun of that that they were putting like four people in the crowd like she had like a little snide comment and now i always love to see people have to backtrack when they <laughs> when they insult something and it clearly works and adds so much to um to the event itself but yeah, it was a it was a it was a good event. It flew by for me. It didn't feel like that long, which is kind of like I always look at the time and think, fucking hell, that is long. But if it doesn't feel like three hours forty four minutes, then I'm I'm pleased with that. Um, I said MJF and Jungle Boy was my favourite match, and the only thing it's not a criticism, but a lot of the matches, other than MJF and Jungle Jungle Boy, all felt like there was a lot of brawling outside and. Like, do you know what I mean? Like every match, obviously with the ladder match, so that wasn't a traditional yeah. match. The Cody Lance Archer match went everywhere. Yeah. And we had the two pointless matches, which weren't really even proper matches. Nina Rose and, and Shida was a no DQ match. Moxley yeah. had his Moxley match with Brody Lee with all those weird spots. And then we had the stadium stampede. So there wasn't a lot of like proper in-ring action, but I don't know if that's a criticism or not, but see, I, I'd say that's, that's definitely one of the things that sort of sold it more to me. I de- right. I'm, I'm definitely like, for me, I I love those when he you know brawls outside the ring and stuff like that. So I think that's what helped it for me. But then I think it just elevated MJF and Jungle Boy that bit more as well. It sort yeah. of gave them a bit more of a, a light, saying, "Well, we don't need to do all of that stuff. We can just you know do it in the ring, and we'll still have a fantastic match." And I feel like, and I pro- I don't think they probably intended it, but actually it probably helped MJF and Jungle Boy that much more for yeah. people to go, "Well, look, they don't even need all of that, and they can still probably put on." Uh, for a lot of people, you know, fight the night. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I mean it's crazy. Like MJF's twenty four, I think Jungle Boy's twenty two or twenty three. I mean, if they carry on the way they're going, and AEW can keep hold of them, they're going to be. There'll be those two for the world title in the main event in a few years' time if they carry on. Like yeah, that. they're going to be special, special talents. Um, favorite match that I think you've said it already, but was it? Is it confirmed that it's Brody Lee versus Moxley? 
Yeah, for me, like I, the, I just enjoyed the way the match kept building and building and building. Moxley will uh, take this accolade to his grave because he knows he's hated by you. So <laughs> to get this this award, he'll be very pleased. Yeah, it, it, he, he can take it. We'll see. I think maybe it's also because uh, I, I, I maybe was expecting to not enjoy the match yeah, much, yeah. Uh, and I know I was sort of sort of surprised that I enjoyed it. That elevated that a little bit more for me. Uh, so so yeah, I just I just. To me, it just felt it had a nice tempo and it was just built up and up and up and up. And I felt like it finished it like it, of all the finishes that night. It was that was probably the closest to perfect finish, I'd say, out of all the matches. Yeah. Great match. Great event. AW knocked it out of the park for sure. I'm pleased to see that. And the great thing is we're not going to have another pay-per-view for about another three or four months. So we haven't got to worry about <laughs> having to stay up late or pay out for anything. So... It's nice to have these gaps so all these storylines can go away and breathe and we can have new ones put in in their place rather than having to always battle towards the next month's pay-per-view. This structure's working well. One small note before we leave, and it's a bit of a sombre note. Um, On the the media call or scrum after the, the event, Tony mentioned that they were planning to bring Fighter Fest to the UK this year. Yeah. And obviously because of COVID not happening but we we could well have been sitting there watching Brian Cage versus Moxley Mox. in the flesh yeah they, they, it's, it's, it feels uh, it feels very much like I enjoy I like the fact that Tony's told us that that's what they were planning to bring yeah. because it actually makes me feel like you know like the confidence UFC, that they're going to bring something good yeah it's something good and not just a, a, a normal uh, like a, a dynamite and a dark show or something like though they will probably obviously have a dynamite as well yeah. over here. Uh, but like it feels to me like they they want to do something special uh, a little bit anyway, um, which is nice. And it's a shame that you know uh, that the, the show that they were going to bring over that they couldn't. But you know, hopefully they'll they'll be able to build some other stuff up and and and, and bring that over. I'm just hoping now. Tony said that they don't just then bring over a dynamite just yeah. willy nilly yeah. and just be like, oh, here you go, here's a dynamite where not a lot happens. I've I've got a little bit of faith though because every time you hear. Tony Khan talk about uh, the UK. He's he's got a lot of um, time uh, and love for it. So um, that that to me, and he obviously he spends a lot of time over because he he owns Fulham Football Club. So um, you you would you would think that he would want to bring something quite good over. Even if he's just got a bunch of mates over here, they want you know people uh, to come along and watch it. He wants them to see something really good and fun. So um, so yeah, that that's all. I've saw hopefully in my in my head. I'm feeling like Tony Khan. This this is the AEW's SummerSlam '92 moment. Um, I appreciate in today's era that they can't bring a pay per view over because no, no one in America is going to buy it for that time of the morning, um, and that's fine. I mean, they've probably not got enough fans in the UK to sell out an arena at the time of the morning that they need to do it to be able to have it as a pay per view. Um, so I, I completely get that. But you know, these you know matches like firefighter and stuff like that whatever it's called and and even uh, blood and guts and stuff like that is the perfect type of thing to be bringing over to to, to like uk's and other territories as well not just the uk because they can pre-tape those yeah, yeah. Um, and they don't need to be uh live um and th- it means it and it does make the the other territories therefore feel that little bit special because we do understand they can't bring a pay-per-view over um, yeah. but we just want to just you know feel a bit of love i guess and that we the opportunity because you know nine times out of ten that belts are only ever going to change on a 
pay-per-view and so if you're going to go and see some raw tape and you know well you're probably just going to get some crap or just some some build-up bollocks whereas at least if at a semi-pay-per-view you're going to get a major part of a storyline or a belt change and stuff like that and so i think that that's what i'm here for i'm here for to to, to watch hopefully pack take home the tnt championship that'll be a good yeah that's a good time to do it it's a shame pack's stuck in newcastle and hasn't been able to, to take part in um so he did appear on a promo yeah they put yeah to be fair the other day. yeah they did chuck a promo in of him i hope they do that every few weeks so that people don't forget about him because he's such a talented worker and uh there's a lot of people that are missing out but obviously being from the uk he's like he's top dog really in AEW. like we love kip we love jimmy but you know packs the packs the boy when it comes down to, to levels in the game but well we won't be back next week that's one bit of news there'll be a um a trailer going live next week for this podcast so what's happened is we're kind of officially coming out of the beta period of the DD wrestlecast we've done like eight weeks of it now or so um learned a lot of lessons not making too many changes in fact hardly any but just putting some other bits and pieces infrastructure changes in behind the scenes um and and, and making a few sort of small tweaks and the the beta period of the DT WrestleCast has come to an end and will be fully fledged 1.0. Um, and next week you'll hear kind of like a, just a show trailer for that. So there'll be no sort of traditional episode, but we'll, we will return the following week with God knows what. I think we're getting close to Backlash and NXT in your house. We've had a request come in from a fan to, to um, cover a specific event as well. So we'll, we'll get all that done. But trailer next week and then normal service will resume the following Friday so we'll we'll look forward to seeing you, I guess, properly on the 12th of June. But tune in for the, the trailer next week. It's worth what, only be a minute and a half, like super, super short, um, just sort of kicking off the, the show and getting out of this, this sort of trial period and into its fully-fledged weekly slot. So um, paper as usual, thanks for, for teaming up. Team Paps, live strong on the <laughs> on the TDT WrestleCast. And uh, we will get you back on with... A, an event of sorts to, to review whether it's a modern day one or, or a classic one from, from yesteryear but everybody else thanks very much for your time and ta-da This was a Dimp Digital production.